The opinions expressed on this WebmasterRadio.fm program are those of the host, guests, and callers, and do not reflect those of the staff, management, or advertisers of WebmasterRadio.fm. Any rebroadcast or retransmission of this program without the express written consent of WebmasterRadio.fm is prohibited. Ready to learn to be a mass marketing mastermind? Take some notes from the godfathers of mass distribution. You're about to get schooled on how to be inboxed. You've got, you've got, you've got, you've got mail. Our hosts will show you how to deliver on email marketing strategies without going postal. Welcome the hosts of Inboxed, the click father of email, Kevin DiVincenzi, and the original Fab Fondy, Fab Fondy J, John Fondy. And a fabulous good afternoon to each and every one of you. This is the Big Fabu. I'm John Fondy, and welcome again to yet another edition of Inbox Radio. This is the June 16th edition. We've got a great show entitled, Is Washington Going Too Far? Come on, man! Well, we're going to be talking about some stuff that's going on. It seems like every time we turn around, somebody's creeping up behind us to take away either our civil liberties or the way that we're making money. It seems like the only way we can make money these days is if we just make it and give it straight to our government. So we'll talk a little bit about some of the things that are taking place. With me today, of course, is my fabulous co-host. He is the Click Father, and I'm talking about Kevin DiVincenzi. Kevin, welcome to the show. Thanks, John. It's, uh, I'm making it a habit to sit in my backyard uh, while we do the show and actually get some fresh air. Well, hey, good for you. I know that you're kind of overlooking the pool out there across the lake. Uh, last time we spoke, you had your feet in the water, recovering from a 40-mile hike uh, to uh, to generate funds for breast cancer awareness. How are those feet doing this week? Oh, good, good. I'm, uh, I'm back in my flip-flops and enjoying it. Hey, well, good for you, and I'll tell you, that's. Uh, I think we need to get a picture of that so we can put a picture up on the website of actually uh, the, tough, the tough duty you and I have. I'm, of course, in the uh, XY7 Master Compound inside the green room where we, of course, have the secret hidden inboxed uh, studio, and uh, that's kind of where we're going to be broadcasting our show from. Kevin, we got a great, great show today. Um, some of the things that have been taking place here recently, we kind of talked about the FTC had their roundtable, and uh, sort of talking now a little bit more about copyrights and things that uh, are uh, infringement and things that take place. And I know that, Kevin, that's been a big issue, I know, with the social media sites and uh, also people just taking, uh, you know, creatives that you and your team have created and just blatantly kind of use them on their own. So it looks like the government's jumped into this a little bit. So, Kevin, we're going we're gonna to kind of peel back the onion a little bit in terms of what the FTC is saying you want to do and what the general public uh, has. But, you know, know, uh, it seems like this is going to be an issue, uh, the copyright issue, Kevin, that's going to be around for a little while. Yeah, you know, even the uh, from the social from the social aspect, um, myads.com is now uh, requiring us to do uh, affidavits with all our pictures and, and different things like that. So it's definitely getting towards the way that we have to uh, see what's happening, um, certify everything that you have so people aren't stealing from each other, which, you know... It's the right way to do things. It's just like artwork, John. I mean, if you're creating your artwork, you don't want somebody else just to copy it. You know, to make a lithograph out of what you did. It's the same thing here. So, you know, I, I, I welcome. I don't obviously don't welcome government regulation, but I welcome uh, some sort of reform because we definitely need it. 
Sure. Bennett Kelly, uh, who uh, has the Internet Law Center, and he also puts out a great, great uh, blog each week. We're going to talk about the battles between news aggregators and news sources uh, over copywriting as well. Bennett's going to kind of uh, talk to us a little bit about um, about that. And, uh, and then, of course, uh, of course, also on the show today, we're going to have Ron Fruchel, which he's just called me in on the cell phone now, so I'm going to probably have to uh, get back to him in a second since the show's live. Ron, I know you can hear me. Um, uh, basically, I don't know if you've got the, the phone number to call in, but I'll get that to you as well. Um, so, Ron, I'll be back to you on the break just before we bring you on to the show. So, um, anyway... Um, um, we're gonna, Ron Fertrell, um has had a little bit of trouble here in Las Vegas. He's a longtime 30-year news broadcaster, and uh, and he simply has now gone into the private sector and has put up a uh, put up a website. And uh, that website that he put up, uh, basically, where he kind of rebroadcasts some of, some of the news that takes place here at a, one of our local newspapers, and they sued him over it. So we're going to get Bennett and Ron on the phone and talk about that a little bit, and then also we're going to have on the show Michelle Whitmandy. She's of uh, Southeast Media. Kevin, she wrote a really great, great article, of course, in one of the, the research publications that I subscribe to, which is Website Magazine. She's going to talk about climbing up the ranks with optimized press releases and uh, give us some insight on that. So we got a great show. And then, hey, Kevin, near the end of the show, we want to talk a little bit about uh, the uh, AFCON 2010 that's coming up. And uh, so what do you Pretty much, I'm not sure if we lost if we lost Kevin there or or not. So um, I think he may have okay, dropped off. Like Kevin, back, uh, Kevin, I just kind of introduced a little bit of the show, but right now we're going to bring in uh, from the Internet Law Center. We're going to bring in uh, Bennett Kelly and uh, Bennett. Welcome to the show. Nice to have you with us today. Always a pleasure, John. Hey, you know, one of the things, Bennett, you've been with us and you've been around, but you've really been our boots on the ground in Washington, uh, sitting not only at the FTC roundtables, uh, but also sort of keeping abreast of some of the legal issues. We talk about the social element. We talk about the marketing aggregate. We, of course, we talk about the income of all of this, but then there's a legal side to it as well. And uh, just most recently, there's been some battles that have been kind of igniting fires all over the country about news aggregators and news sources over copyright and stuff, and you address that uh, a little bit in your blog. Let's talk a little bit about that blog. It's an award-winning blog. In fact, you've been recognized twice now uh, by a very dis- very distinguished organization uh, uh, in Washington. The uh, uh, Tell us all about that as well. Actually, the, it's, it's Los Angeles Press Club. They have the Southern California Journalism Awards. And um, the last two years, I've been a finalist for the award. I was a um, got second prize last year, and um, the awards will be announced in um, two weeks um, for this year. But um, the, the article that, that ran um, was about the um, Las Vegas Review Journal, which has assigned its copyrights, um, which it's owned by a group called Stevens Media, has assigned its copyrights to. Uh, a startup company that's focused solely on copyright enforcement called Ray Haven LLC. And Ray Haven has filed 11 actions against bloggers and websites um, for copyright infringement. And what, what's in, there's several things that are unusual about this. First of all, all these suits came without warning. Um, in no case was there ever a demand to cease and desist um, or any demand for money. Um, it was just wham, here's a lawsuit. And um, in some cases, we're talking about a real de minimis amount, and we're discovering it because um, one of the cases just recently 
um, settled. Um, it's a case against the National Organization for Reform of Marijuana Laws, um, whose acronym is NORMAL. And um, NORMAL's response to the lawsuit was they figured out what the maximum exposure was. They figured, okay, this is what the newspaper charges you know, for accessing archived stories. And um, you know, so we assume that's what they would, that's the most they could get. And we had this number of stories. And then you take that amount and then you triple it. And it came to a whopping sum of $2,200. And so in, in federal court, there's a procedure where you can um, offer to, um, to agree to a judgment against yourself um, for a certain amount. And if the other party rejects the offer and gets less at trial, um, they're, they're liable for your costs from that point forward. And so um, right, the um, normal made such an offer for you know, $2,185 and um, Stevens Media and Wright Haven accepted it. So it, it, it's clear that these guys are trying to send a message um, to, you know, to the blogosphere and those in the web about using its content. Um, but you still have the question of, of what is known as fair use. And you, for example, I used uh, in my blog, I used the Las Vegas Review Journal um, masthead but you know, I added something to it um, because it's somewhat of a parody. And also fair use allows you to make comment on um, topics. And so you're able to, in order to make a comment, you're, you're able to make some reference to the content of, the, of the, what you're commenting about. And, um, and so there's different standards for evaluating it. But what they're really just going on is just you know, little small feeds being used by different blogs. And, um, and they're being they're suing people for that, and it's caused a lot of controversy. Um, you know, they're trying to make the argument that you know these blogs are basically it's a, what they're doing is akin to grand theft auto, and um, but you know there's no harm to them really. They can't even demonstrate any harm. Um, but the, um, the the news outlets, you know, Fox News, for example, Rupert Murdoch is furious over this because they believe that we spend all this time creating an organization that collects news, that does the writing, and disseminates it. And then you have these middle people, you know, the Google News and all these other websites who are then taking all their sweat, equity, and, you know, the, what they put together and just excerpting it and getting all the benefit of their work. And in some cases, without paying anything for it. And so uh, there's a big concern on their part about the, the feasibility of moving forward under that model. But you know, there, there is the fair use doctrine, which does protect them in a lot of respects. And so I think what you may see is either this has to be dealt with legislatively or the courts will hash out a clearer definition of what is fair use. And you know, here's a case where you know, law is often dealt with in grays, but having a fine line you know, so that people know when they're on one side of the line or the other um, this would be a great case for you know Supreme Court or Congress to step in and say, okay, here's the line um, for you know online usage, and um, so well, that's going that's down the road. So we're going to have a lot of lawsuits and a lot of controversy in between now and then. Well, uh, speaking of the lawsuits and the controversy, I know that the FTC met, I believe it was yesterday, in their roundtable discussion, and some of this topic was on the table. Uh, give us a little insight on what took place during that roundtable discussion. Actually, I didn't get a chance to catch the roundtable. I was um, I was tied up on another matter, and so I haven't even been briefed on how it went. But I do know um, the roundtable was designed to discuss the um, the working paper we talked about last week. And over the weekend, FTC Chairman Leibowitz, um, you know, flat out disclaimed 
um, you know, basically, he said this this um, this proposal that they had to help bail out the newspaper industry, um, it's it is it is an orphan, <laughs> it is um, it is not theirs, and it is a terrible idea. He flat out said, and um, you know, it is definitely one of the worst examples of a of a trial balloon I've seen in Washington in years, and uh, created quite a firestorm. And but you know, there is um, a lot of the issues that they're trying to address. You know, have nothing to do with the online space. You know, the lack of on uh, lack of local reporting, for example, we talked about last week. Um, you know, that was a problem before online media came about. You know, it's really uh, the issue of, for example, the Chicago Tribune bought the LA Times and then started you know to dismantle it because it wasn't profitable enough. But it wasn't that it wasn't profitable. The LA Times made about ten percent profit every year, but it wasn't profitable enough. And so you have people looking, you know, applying a, a model. Um, that may be appropriate for selling soap to uh, an industry that really needs to have um, more of a public service interest involved. And um, but at the same time, you don't want government telling them what to, how they should do that. And uh, I think it's just going to take time to find a way. And then we talked about last week. Then you have some the kind of joint venture going on where news outlets are working with these nonprofit web um, groups to you know put together um, stories. And one of them, one of the Pulitzer Prize-winning stories, was one of those joint ventures. So um, you know, it's still working its way out. I think the FCC is better off just watching and um, trying to figure out um, what's going on, and and then maybe um, and then maybe step forward. It's an old quote by Abe Lincoln um, to say that you know, it's better to be quiet and thought of a fool than to speak and confirm it. And um, I think this is a case uh, where the FTC would have been better off had they followed the Lincoln rule. Well, I think absolutely true. And, and, and having been a broadcaster and worked on both sides of the desk, uh, even the, the, the sales side and the marketing side, um, a lot of times uh, you'll get these edicts that come down. And particularly when you take a look at, uh, at radio stations and television stations, in many cases, particularly if they're a publicly traded company, generally that, that line in the sand that they're going to put for their shareholders is a 20, 20% increase in revenues, uh, which supposedly is going to keep the, the, the stock price high. But when you've got the dilution that's taking place in terms of the economy out there, that sometimes is not uh, not uh, uh, an achievable method. And so then it becomes a little bit more like the wild, wild west, where they're just kind of throwing darts at walls and hoping that, that when that dart hits the wall, it's going to turn into some kind of money. But I just don't know how, even if you tried to monetize this something like this, then you've got to have the whole watchdog thing that would go in there. And I know that coming up here in the second segment, we're going to have Ron Fertrell on. He's a seasoned broadcaster as well. That's just kind of out there really doing what we all would feel is a is a as a service to uh to our local uh, newspaper here in las vegas and now he's got a lawsuit pending on that so we'll talk about that but bennett isn't there something to be said for the fact that in media in marketing and advertising the key is eyeballs and the more eyeballs you could put on something the more that you can get through your general revenue coffers wouldn't you think that that would be something they would be taking into consideration as well yeah, and actually, you make a very good point, John. And one thing that is happening, you know, while we're, you know, we're crying tears over the newspaper industry, they're actually getting more eyeballs online, and so their websites are are you know, and traffic is improving. I mean, we talked last week about the ones who um, tried, you know, tried to charge for content, and they didn't necessarily have the same result. But um, traffic to news sites is improving. And so, um, you know, they just have to figure out, you know, their revenue stream and allocate their, you know, their costs in a way so that, you know, they can take advantage of 
you know, the valuable content they're offering on the web and still monetize it. And um, because, as you said, I mean, the advertising dollars are there. And, the, I mean, there's the old joke about, you know, advertising on TV. I know 50% of every dollar I spend, you know, leads to a sale. I just don't know what 50%. Whereas on the web, you know. And um, so here they have valuable content and they can measure how well they're doing. So um, you know, they actually have a vested interest in, um, in not messing around with the, the current uh, regime of things on the web because you know, they're, they're a major actor. Sure. You well, would, that's, uh, that's you the would... business model right there, but it would be um, if, if they could figure out how to carry the advertising. You know, let's say they give the article royalty free to some of these sites, but then carry some of their advertising so they'll increase all their impressions. Right, and and they're also trying to renegotiate some of their, for example, a lot of sites that you see that do have like content from AP and others like Huffington Post or you know some of the other big news sites. Um, they're they actually subscribe to AP, um, but AP these are contracts negotiated several years ago, and AP just, re, just doesn't feel they're getting the value that others are getting, and so um, obviously in, in the squeeze that's going on, they're trying to get more out of it. You know, since AP is losing a lot of subscribers, but newspapers closing. Um, but um, yeah, I mean, the combination of subscription, advertising. I mean, there's there's definitely a way to make money. The web is growing, and um, you you have when as you can see now when things happen, whether it's BP or an election, you know, people are going to the web and then going to news sites. And um, it used to be before newspapers used to try to deal with those situations by having extras or morning and daily editions. Well, now they don't need that. They just need to have, be able to keep their website up to date. And you know, some some news breaks, and people will go to latimes.com or you know, clevelandplandealer.com, whatever. Sure. Well, that makes a lot of sense. Uh, we're going to take a short break here. When we come back, we're going to be talking with Ron Fertrell, who's actually uh, embroiled in a situation in, in Las Vegas right now with one of our local newspapers. But when we come back, we're going to come out of the second segment. I want you to talk a little bit about the uh, parody on the judge report. Um, and, and since you did bring up AP, talk a little bit about the long discussion that they had there on the about the Drudge Retort, which is a parody on the Drudge Report. When uh, Inbox Radio returns, well, of course, we'll have more coming up on the show, Ron Fertrell, as well as Michelle Wickmandy of Southeast Media talking about search engine optimization in press releases. I'm the Big Fabu. I'm John Fondy. We're going to take a short break, throw it back to Ashley in the studio, and we'll be right back right after these very short messages. Stay with us, won't you? Time to flood some more inboxes. Inbox will return after this. XYZ affiliate market. Are you an affiliate? If yes, you'll pay me. No hit as a mavis. Get paid daily. Make a mad dash. Sign up as a flash. Quickly convert the clicks into cash. Affiliate marketing network is first place. I cut to the chase. It's all performance based. Listen to what I'm telling you. Cause this is what you better do. Join as a publisher and maximize your revenue. Think we agreed that money is what you need. Indeed, you can get paid from sales and leads. Not one thing lacking. Don't get it cracking. Even from a quick state of the art tracking. Ready to start? You can do it a couple ways. 866-XY7-PAYS. It's toll free. Tell me what you waiting on. So log on to XY7.com. Hey, this is Danny Sullivan to talk to you.
to you about Bruce Clay Incorporated. They've made Ink Magazine's list of growing private businesses and have exhibited and sponsored at my conferences since the very beginning. You've seen their search engine relationship chart or you've read their SEO code of ethics, so you know their SEO experts. But did you know they can help you with PBC, web analytics, web design, marketing strategy, promotion, and branding? Yep, get everything you need for success in the online marketplace. You can check it out from the professionals at Bruce Clay Incorporated. For over 10 years with offices worldwide, they've got the answers you need. Check them out today at BruceClay.com. Are you happy with your landing page performance? Discover how to improve your landing page performance with ConversionCritic.com. Brought to you by Engine Ready. Turn your underperforming landing pages into cost-effective sales-producing machines. Be sure you're not wasting your precious PPC budget. Conversion Critic tools give you the ingredients to create high converting landing pages. You don't have to be an expert to use Engine Ready's Conversion Critic tools, but you'll feel like a landing page pro. Take the guesswork out of increasing your conversion rate. Visit conversioncritic.com and boost your conversion rate for free. That's www.conversioncritic.com. Market Edge with Larry Weber, Tuesdays at noon Eastern, 9 a.m. Pacific, and on demand inside the Internet Marketing Channel, only on webmasterradio.fm. You're back with the Godfathers of Mass Distribution on Inbox, only on webmasterradio.fm. And welcome back to another edition of InboxRadio.com. I'm the Big Fabu. I'm John Fondy. With me is our co-host, uh, Kevin DiVincenzi. He is the click father, enjoying the show in his backyard, sitting there overlooking the lake with his feet in the pool. Uh, Kevin, uh, FTC kind of uh, really kind of cracking down on some people here on copyright laws, but it looks like some people are pushing back a little bit as well. Yeah, absolutely, John. We're gonna, it's going to be very interesting to see what happens and how it plays out. Yep. Hey, Bennett, before we went to break, and just for those of you that have just joined us, we've got Bennett Kelly on us. He is uh, yeah, he has the Internet, Internet Law Center, and he also produces uh, the Internet Law Center Cyber Report. Uh, we talked a little bit before about uh, the uh, Drudge Retort. Um, just go ahead and take a couple minutes and wrap up what took place with between the organizer and the Associated Press. Sure. Well, first you've got to understand who, uh, who founded the Judge Report. And uh, Retort. It's um, a guy named, um, um, what's his first name? Rogers Cadenhead. And he's, he's definitely a wise guy. He actually owned the domain for um, Pope Benedict. And so before Pope Benedict was selected, and he offered to give it to the um, to Vatican in exchange for one mitre and concrete absolution for no questions asked for the third week of March 1987, which, of course, we all want to know what happened. But in any event, um, he, um, the AP is part of their you know, effort in trying to crack down or some say bully um, websites. Um, the AP went after him for three posts that had um, quoted AP headlines and had as much anywhere from 35 to 75 words of AP content in the posts. And um, you, they picked on the wrong guy just because of the platform um, Cadenhead has. And it actually backfired on the AP, and um, ultimately the AP um, was facing a boycott of some some groups were threatening to stop you know, stop subscribing to AP, and so they ultimately reached a confidential settlement with AP. Um, the, the posts were taken down, but um, AP had to really reconsider its heavy-handedness, and I think that you know that, that kind of ties into what we're seeing now with the Las Vegas Review Journal, um, whether they will have to you know come to a have a similar come to Jesus moment too. 
Well, speaking of come to Jesus moment, uh, one of the fellows that has not only commented on it, he's reported on it, uh, and this gentleman has been uh, in the ranks of news broadcasting for over the last 30 years. Uh, not only has he been with in radio, but he's also done television. He's covered major international sporting events and news stories, all the way from Mike Tyson to Steve Wynn to Super Bowls to casino implosions. Well, Ron has certainly done it. Of course, we're talking about longtime broadcaster, now gone into the private sector. I'm talking about... Of course, a superstar in our town. I'm talking about Ron Fertrell. Ron, thank you so much for taking the time to come on the show. <laughs> a superstar. Be be careful with that sort of introduction, okay? Hey, <laughs> the RJ no, I got think a cape. I have a lot of money, I and they'll a... sue me for everything now. <laughs> we got a cape for you and everything, but it kind of. Uh, hopefully, you won't have to use that. Let's go ahead and do the setup a little bit here, Ron. You're in Las Vegas. Uh, entertainment capital of the world. You happen to be, you know, you have a great relationship with the Las Vegas Review Journal, and you came across a, an incident that really kind of startled you a little bit. Let's talk about it for for a moment. No, it did. I found out about it through a, a newspaper article in a rival paper, the Las Vegas Sun, here in town, that they were that the RJ was suing my little website, which is a hobby website. It's not a money maker. It's called localslovevegas.com. And it's a site, I mean, it's a harmless little site that does, you know, bake sales in Summerlin, hikes at uh, Lake Mead and, and water skiing, you know, stuff, or hikes up at Mount Charleston, things like that. So it's, it's not anything that it's, uh, gets into politics or anything controversial. And, yeah, I found out that they were suing for copyright because I'd taken a couple of articles from friends of mine who work at the RJ and, and taken a portion of the articles with full attribution, hey, here's a good story from so-and-so writer about the opening of ARIA, and then links going back to the RJ so that people could go read the full story. And I put on there, if you'd like to read the full story, click on this link and go there and you can read the full story. So I, I figured that that was acceptable protocol in the business. That's what's done all over the Internet. More is better. Um, where they have taken a hard line with 34 websites, including mine, now that they've gone after on this hardcore, no warning, just they went straight to nuclear option right off the bat. We're suing you for $75,000, court costs, attorney's fees, plus we want your web domain, was what they've asked for in the, in the complaint. Well, it sounds so to me like you're version. absolutely I have right. a long version if you want, but that's a short version of pretty much just summing it up. <laughs> no, it sounds it sounds like you're absolutely correct, and I know that uh, I happen to be in the studio when you're being interviewed by John Ralston, and, and one of the things that really surprised me that you said was that they didn't even contact you prior to that, uh, uh, you know, asking you to cease and desist or giving you some type of order prior to going to there. That, uh, that seems like they're really going out on a limb, uh, and it was done by a company other than uh, the Review Journal, correct? Right Haven LLC is the name of the company in Las Vegas that's doing this on behalf of the RJ. And what they've done is sort of interesting. They've transferred their copyrights over to Right Haven LLC. So Right Haven now has the copyright uh, for these stories from the RJ, which I find I find a little bit odd that they that they their stories are so special and so sacred, so important that they need to protect them. But they're turning them over to an attorney, you know, which is their right to do certainly. But it, it is a little bit odd that they're sending them to this this group that will go out and go after websites selectively, I believe, because it has to be selectively because they couldn't be just they couldn't have found just 34 so far. They're picking and choosing certain sites that they're going after uh, and some that they're not. And, and 
you know, like politicians. They're not going after politicians, and I'm not sure why. Maybe there's a technical reason with this. But they're going after certain companies, and, and the other companies are not going after. Um, I can't see that my website is a threat to anything they have. I understand they, you know, I, I fully admit it to what I did, I guess. If that's a crime, I committed it. Um, now, to what level of crime that is, is certainly the, the, the other question that perhaps a district court will have to decide at some point in Nevada, and uh, perhaps even a jury trial. And it's gone so far that they have, they've asked for a jury trial. If it goes that far, nobody wants to go this far. I mean, everybody wants this to get settled. But, but at the same time, I'm not going to have my reputation uh, uh, ruined in this town where I where I live and where I've worked for 30 years as a journalist. As all, I've had people ask me if I'm a plagiarizer. You know, what did I do? Well, you know, they're going after me so so ferociously because it just defies logic that they would go after sites for what I did, for what a cat website, a charity cat website in Boston did. Um, same thing, uh, nonprofit website that you know that that did this in Boston, um, a firefighter website that, that sells products for firefighters and emergency crews posted a story about North Las Vegas Fire Department uh, with links and attribution and everything, and they're being sued under the same guise. So I don't know how far this goes, and it is an Internet issue that needs to be answered, I guess, and maybe this will be the case to answer it. I don't want it to go that far. But it, I'm a bit of a fighter at the same time, and I don't want to admit to wrongdoing when I, when I really actually have done nothing wrong. Um, and and that's, that's my dilemma right now is, is they, they wanted to settle for lesser amounts. I really I don't want to – right now I'm not in the mood to pay them 50 bucks um, just, on, just on principle. But at the same time, I'm not a fool. <laughs> I'll, do, sure. I'll do what's best uh, when it comes down to it. But at the same time, it, it, most people who know the facts on the facts just find it silly. Well, we're going to get the illegal as aspect on that from Bennett Kelly in just a moment. But Kevin DiVincenzi, the click father, what do you make of all of this, uh, being that you're uh, in the Internet business here locally in Las Vegas as well? You know, I started reading about it, John. It just the, the point that I made earlier, I think, Dan, there's got to be a way to monetize it. So if they're just thinking that they're losing the value from their uh, readership, there's got to be a way to turn it around and make it a win-win. That's, I mean, that's what I'm seeing in this whole situation. Because because obviously people are reading Ron's blog or different things, and they're probably not reading the review journal, so just to give them the added exposure. It's not. I think their argument right now is taking away from the readership. I don't think that's the case. I think... It can be flipped and actually add to their readership in a sense of adding more impressions, which turn into, as we know, more money in our face. Sure. Uh, from the Internet Law Center, Bennett Kelly is on the line with us, Ron. Uh, Ron, meet Bennett Kelly. Bennett Kelly, meet uh, Ron Futrell. Nice to meet you, Ron. And if they call you a plagiarizer, don't, you know, don't be that, that alarmed. You know, that, that could lead to a good post with the New York Times or the Boston Globe, but <laughs> based on some of the allegations made in the past. But any of it... Um, the um, the one thing Kevin makes a good point on is, is business model. You know, the, you know, I don't see the value of a business model that um, we sue your customers. And you know, basically, the, you know, they're going after people in their own community who are actually promoting their content and suing them, which just doesn't make sense. And but you know, I think there's a point that they've they've picked on people, you know, like Ron and, and others, is because um, you know they're not picking on Goliath. They're picking on people who will feel the heat. Who will be forced to settle, so that you know they have a they have some precedent in place, 
and um, and so the message gets out. You know, they're not picking on the big boys. They're they're picking on the small to medium sized people, um, and just getting the point across. So that and you know all the other um, little bloggers out there um, will will do likewise. And um, you know it's really just net bullying. But you know they do have the law on their side, but to an extent. I mean, I, I'm sure Ron did probably is within the fair use doctrine, and so um, you know he operated. Plus, he operated in good faith. Um, so. I just don't. I just don't see the wisdom of this approach. Well, no, and I, I obviously would agree with you in, in a technical, in a real hardcore sense. Yeah, you know, I, I said this is what I did. I'm not trying to hide anything. The irony in this is that they probably found out about my website from links that came people that went to their website from my website. Uh, right. I, I don't think that they were just trolling and looking for sites. Uh, so, so had I not, pro- I'll put it this way: had I not provided the link for people to go to their site to read more of the story, um, I might be, you know, I might have had no lawsuit. I might have gotten the story down in time. You know, I might, I, I, I will add this to anybody who who uses stories from the Review Journal on their website. I'm going to remove any portion, any links, anything you have immediately. I mean, I've not done stuff on Facebook. I've had friends who've wrote, written great articles over there that I've wanted to share on Facebook. I'm not I'm not sharing links on Facebook. I'm not emailing their stuff. I'm not, you know, um, doing any of that stuff. And I, I don't know whether the, in the long term that's even in their best interest. They obviously think it is, and perhaps they're trying to build a wall around their facility, so to speak, which is a very difficult thing to do in this internet world right now. And if they did want to build that wall, this is this is a strange way to do it uh, by going after little hobby websites that, uh, and, and again, a, a site called localsloveVegas.com. I mean, does, does the Las Vegas Review Journal really want to, and I mean it seriously, I mean, you really want to go after Locals Love Vegas, and it, and it is such a small it loves minor letter word that it's... Not a, not a factor, you know, and that's the name of my site for a reason. It's not a, it has a collection of a bunch of videos on there and different things that I've shot, that other people have shot, that I put on there. Um, I have a lot of articles from other newspapers because I know that I use the same policy. And, you know, I've got stories from the uh, Wisconsin papers, from the New York Times, from the Las Vegas Sun. And I, I understand that, you know, that that's acceptable protocol and they're not going to go after me. Now, maybe I sh- you guys tell me, maybe I should remove everything from my site that, that's like this. Or, or maybe everybody should remove everything that they're doing with links to papers. Certainly, if the RJ is successful in this, it would set precedence. Uh, for well, don't use anything from any website and just forget this more is better with the internet. It's it's lockdown mode. It's interesting what you said was it had I not used their links and you could but you could rephrase it as had I not given them ad revenue. You you brought traffic to their site. You know, they were able to monetize what you delivered to them. And yet, you know, had you not delivered the ad revenue they would not have sued you. And it, it just shows the, the illogic of the whole approach. And granted, you know, sure, that maybe we need some clarity on fair use, but I just don't think this is the way to go about it. And, um, you know, but hopefully, you know, some will intervene because, you know, people like Ron are doing a great service. You know, they, they are expanding content, increasing access to information, you know, which from Thomas Jefferson days forward are, are, are valuable contributions to your democracy and, and your community. And so, um, 
you know, I, I think this is something we should not be discouraging, and it's important that we figure this out quickly so people like Ron can go back to doing what they've been doing so well. Well, well hey, thank I you. Don't know no, if you and, can... and, and another thought that I had, sort of as a, as a reporter here in town for years, for 25 years here at the ABC station doing sports and news here, I often use stories from the Review Journal in my sports cast with attribution, certainly, hey, here's a story from, you know, so-and-so, the Review Journal is reporting this morning that, you know, and I would, I would quote sections from the Review Journal on my sportscast, again, giving them full attribution. Our station doesn't have any agreement with them to do that. We just accept that as protocol. Uh, as a journalist, I'm looking at that being, okay, this is what I've done forever. I, I have a personal relationship with these writers, and I was, you know, complimenting them on their stories. Here's a great story about this. And, and what, okay, here's an example. What happens, uh, I saw this recently here during the, the U.S. senatorial election uh, on the Republican primary, when papers, when, when news outlets, other news outlets would use the polls from the Review Journal and quote those polls. And I'm sitting there going, shaking my head going, where are they going to go? Go after these guys. They're taking poll numbers straight from the Review Journal. They're using them with attribution. How is that any different than anything I did? They don't have first. I, I can't imagine that they have written agreements with all of these papers. That's just accepted protocol in the business amongst journalists. And, you know, there's a part of me that, that's, you know, I, I get my hair up a little bit when I think that, are you kidding me? This is so, so this, as a fellow journalist, I'm giving you credit for something, and now you're going to attack me for doing that. And if you are, then you better be prepared to go after everybody who's doing that to your material that you own, that you have copyrighted, which, of course, they are, they are not. And there's, there's okay, one of the levels up. to that, and Ron makes a very good point on the, on the polls, is the issue of um, breaking news. Who owns breaking news and for how long? I mean, it, you know, who owns knowledge? And, um, and so, you know, for example, um, I think it's Wall Street Journal or one of the, um, the financial reporters has an agreement with some of the websites that they won't report um, some of their information for, you know, it's embargo for two hours or something like that. But, you know, it, that's going to likely be the next battle. You know, who owns the, the breaking news story? And um, in and, and, and today's day where you have all these media outlets from cable to the Internet, you know, I don't know how long that, that, that has value anyway. But uh, I've seen some writings about that, and that could be the next front of this war. Sure. Well, um, hey, Bennett, we're going to come back after the break. I wanted, I'm going to take one minute after the break, just one minute at all. We're going we're gonna to talk about the legal side of it, maybe give Ron a little bit, a little bit of legal advice on how he should handle this. And, uh, and then we'll be uh, moving on to Mich Michelle with Mandy of Southeast Media. She's going to talk about climbing up the ranks with optimized press releases. With us right now, Ron Fertrell, a uh, local uh, journalist here in Las Vegas, and, of course, Bennett Kelly. We're going to take a short break. When we come back, we'll give us a little bit of free legal advice and uh, see if we can help Ron out, our good buddy right here in Las Vegas. I'm John Fondy. They call me the Big Faboo. For Inbox Radio, where else would you send it? Well, I'll tell you, we're going to send it right off to commercial break, and we'll be right back. So stick around for more friendly and profitable legal advice. <laughs> we'll be right back right after this. Time to flood some more inboxes. Inbox will return after this. 
Do you consider yourself a super affiliate? Then listen up. One of the most trusted names in affiliate marketing since 2003, XY7.com, has now launched XY7Elite.com, a private invitation-only affiliate program run by super affiliates for super affiliates. Enjoy private tested offers, weekly deposits right to your bank account or XY7 debit card, XY7 VIP concierge service, limousine transportation to and from major industry events, and the status of being one of the elite publishers. XY7 Elite is not for everyone as you need to be accepted and maintain volume requirements. Think you've got what it takes to be elite? Go to www.xy7elite.com or call 702-216-4000. 702-216-4000. My.afcon2010.com my.affcon2010.com Your social media source for AFCON 2010 The Trade Show, where affiliates always attend for free. Sign up today at my.afcon2010.com Check out photos and videos from our past events, plus check out our blog and discussion forums. Start socializing today and tell your friends to sign up now at my.afcon2010.com Sign up today at my.afcon2010.com Anyway, I ask. That's right, ma'am. Anyway, you ask. Let me get this straight. If I wanted your CEO to deliver my check while juggling flaming machetes on the back of an Asian elephant, all I have to do is ask? Correct. With in-demand affiliates, you can tell us exactly how you want your payouts, and we will deliver. God, uh, could you hold on for a second? Someone's at the door. (coughs) Wow, you weren't kidding. We are in demand. You can be too. Sign up today at the letter ndemandaffiliates.com. LPO, landing page optimization. Mondays at 2 p.m. Eastern, 11 a.m. Pacific, or on demand anytime inside the advertising channel. Only on webmasterradio.fm. You're back with the godfathers of mass distribution on Inbox. Only on webmasterradio.fm. And welcome back to Inbox Radio. This is the June 16th edition. I'm the Big Fabu. I'm John Fondi. We have on the line with us now Bennett Kelly from the Internet Law Center and also Ron Fertrell, a local journalist in Las Vegas for over 30 years, uh, being uh, sued by the local newspaper, the Las Vegas Review Journal, over some articles that he posted. Uh, Give us about a 60-second wrap-up on this, Ben, and uh, what you think Ron should do from this point on. Well, the easiest thing is he has the fortune of, of being in a, a city that has two newspapers serving it. And, um, you know, I think, you know, from uh, just a legal point of view and also just a public relations point of view, to not use you know, the, the journal review is a good idea. But if he's going to do it, you know, limit it, make sure he's being very on the, on the very safe side of fair use. You know, very limited snippets um, and, um, and also be mindful of... Um, you know, when you're using it for parody, and but when you're using it for commentary, keep it short. Well, great. Uh, okay. Ron, no. thank you so much for taking taking uh, your time. Any questions for Bennett that you might have in closing out? Not really. No, just uh, you know, I'm I'm at the point I'm in the tweener stage right now, is what I'll call it, in trying to figure out how how hard I want to fight this, how far I want to go. And I know the music industry went through a similar battle. It's not identical, but a similar battle, certainly. And, and I don't think it turned out real well for the for the music industry, the record companies, and the artists. You know, with trying to protect their property as much as they could. And I, and I, I know there are differences certainly in the two. But at the same time, you'd, you'd like to think that the attorneys working with the RJ have also seen some of this case law and seen where it's gone. And, 
and it is a bad public relations. It's just bad public relations for them to go after a little nonprofit or, in my place, you know, case of a blog that's a hobby um, website, um, you know, and play hardcore right off the bat with them is what I question. Sure. Yeah, I mean, it's akin to going at the motherteresa.com. Hey, thanks, guys, so much for being with us. Ron, I know I'll see you around. we got some political stuff that's still going on, so uh, we'll be out there hitting it hard to try to take a little bit of America back. Again, Ron Fertrell, a uh, local broadcaster and superstar in our industry. Thanks again, Ron. Thanks, superstar. Okay, I'll take that. Thanks, you guys. Appreciate it. You bet. Bye, hey, listen, uh, so let's just say for the sake of this argument, you've got a company, maybe it's a new company, maybe it's a company that's been around for a while, but the competition seems to be overwhelming. You don't have a big ad budget, so what are you going to do? Well, we're going to talk to the expert right now, uh, talking about climbing up the ranks with optimized press releases, and of course, uh, we, we are now taking the time to bring in, in a lady um, who is the online marketing manager. Uh, she also uh, was the online marketing manager for the Houston's Alley Theater. She's now jumped over to uh, Southeast Media, where she is the marketing director. She's got some great experience in the industry. She's a freelance writer. She writes for Website Magazine. That's where I saw this article and felt compelled to give her a call. Please welcome to the show uh, a new friend of ours, Michelle Wickmandy. Michelle, thank you so much for taking your time to join us today. Hi, John. Hi. Well, listen, I've got it, had a chance to not only read your article, and, and uh, the one thing that I felt is that you were spot on in what you were saying, so I wanted to share that with, uh, with our audience here a little bit today. So let's talk about what is an optimized press release and why it's important and, and if there's any advantage to it. Well, first of all, uh, press release, why we write press releases, is to inform journalists to inform our customers and prospects about news that's going on within our company, within our industry, and um, the good thing about an optimized press release is now we're able to insert relevant keywords so when people do a search, they're able to find our information online. Um, the nice thing about an optimized press release is it can also act as a web page when people do a search and, again, give the information about our products and services. It's just one more, uh, one more way to get exposure. Well, Kevin DiVincenzi is the click father, and Kevin, you've been using uh, press releases and optimizing uh, landing pages and websites uh, for years, so it really does it really does work in a compelling way, doesn't it? Yeah, John, we've actually been, been using them from the beginning, and one of the main things is getting the, uh, the advanced metric back. You know, I love to see how many people read the press release, forward it, print it, uh, paste it up on their social pages. You know, we go for all the add-ons when we buy a press release just because we want to absorb that data back and see uh, who it interests and how many people viewed, viewed it and what have you. So it's, very, it's like getting oh. other copy. You want to see how, what kind of response you get. Absolutely. Sure. Um, uh, that's the beautiful thing about an optimized press release is being able to track the metrics and see how many opens you get, uh, track the traffic to your website. You know, in the past it used to be that we would just write a press release and we would submit it to the media and... You know, you weren't quite sure how many people saw it, how many people had interest in it, but now right. uh, considering that it's something that's posted online, we get the metrics, we can track it. Um, we track not only the metrics that we get from our provider, but it's nice to see the traffic that goes to your website and then to track those call to actions so people actually call in to purchase something or to inquire about your product or service. 
And in addition, it's so sticky, meaning that you get it on all the uh, search engines. And for years and years, we found some of our press releases in 2004 still pop up. There's a great uh, correlation to everything else you're doing with your company. You know, it might have been a promotion or what have you, but you're getting that to come back on uh, uh, search results. So it's great. Oh, absolutely. You know, you never know how long your press release will be up on page one or w however, you know, if it's going to be on page one, page two, whatever. But that's the beautiful right. thing about being online is um, in many instances that press release will stay up for you never know how long. It's a great credibility well. Absolutely. Well, let's talk about a little bit, not only in, in your industry, Kevin, but also now going into the press release industry. Keywords are so important. How do you how do you use those keywords uh, so it doesn't necessarily look like you're uh, using keywords? Uh, just, oh, Donna, uh, at the end of every press release, for filler. You'll, oh, I'm sorry, um, go ahead. Well, what I do, what I find to be the most effective way for me to determine the keywords that I'm going to use is to actually ask my audience, to ask my prospects, to brainstorm with clients, friends, and so forth. Um, take a look at your product, take a look at your service, take a look at your industry and see how you fit in and then develop that list and uh, go from there. Kevin, go ahead. You, you were starting to make a comment as well? Oh, no, I was just saying that a lot of times when you submit, it's going to allow you to put keywords in as well, just like even when you're posting up on boards. You know, we just um, started the Media Buying Alliance um, forum where we put it up, and uh, every time you post a comment or what have you, you're able to now put tags, and those tags can be indexed for a search engine, so this way um, certain topics that are searched through Google or what have you are going to come back up from your forum post. So I think it's very important to think about the different terms and, and what, what you use, and even though it's... It's a marketing piece, and it's not a marketing piece. It's, it's more of a credibility piece and, and something that you need to think about. What are people searching for, and what do you want those people to to, uh, to then be able to put your press release up? Absolutely. Um, that's the whole thing. That's, that's the trick behind it is trying to figure out exactly how are people going to search for your product or your service. Um, there's many, many keywords that you can use, um, but it's what are the right keywords how are people going to search? And the keyword research, um, that, that's important. I can't stress that enough. And that's why I'll often go to customers. I'll go to friends um, and ask people how would they search. And there's the keyword research tools. There's things like uh, Google Key Keyword Research Tool. There's Word Tracker. There's a variety of different tools that you can use. Um, it's just a matter of developing your list, brainstorming, and then choosing the most appropriate words. Absolutely. Let's talk about some of the misunderstandings uh, you know, associated with using optimized press releases as a marketing tool. Clear that up a little bit for us. We've got about, uh, about a minute and a half left. Okay. Um, you know, one of the biggest misunderstandings, I guess, is um, the idea that you're going to write an optimized press release and it's going to be number one on Google, page one, number one. Um, I can't make any guarantees when I submit a press release that it's going to be number one on, on page one of Google. I can always try my very best, but uh, again, I don't have a crystal ball. Um, and the idea that the press release is going to be 
on a certain page for an extended period of time. Um, just like any web page, uh, any keyword, you know, the, the ranking fluctuates. So it might be on page one today, but that doesn't mean it's going to be there tomorrow. Sure. Well, I think maybe what, what I want to do is, uh, is maybe kind of uh, get in touch with you here uh, either later on this week, and, uh, and I, want to do, uh, I want to do some testing with you as well and do, uh, and do some results testing for that and see if we can drum up a little more business for you. How would that be? Oh, perfect. Yeah, I think that that that'd be one of the things that we can use not only with our clients here, but also encourage other people to use your services as well. Uh, we're talking, of course, with uh, Houston Interactive Marketing Firm, uh, uh, the Marketing Director Michelle Wick, Mandy. Michelle, gosh, you did great. Did you have fun? <laughs> I had fun. Nervous. Oh, you didn't sound like it as well. You sound like you really do know what you're doing, and I think. You know, writing those press releases, they, you've got to write those with the biggest smile as you have on your face, and that's, of course, the picture we have on our website. You look like you're happy, and you really look like you enjoy, you enjoy what you're doing. Oh, I love. I absolutely love what I do. There's, I, I just really, really enjoy it. And, um, yeah, I have a good time. Well, that's what I always I'll say. That's uh, what I always say. You know, people look okay. at me, and they go, oh, well, you know it's a job. You're not supposed to enjoy it. And I go, what are you talking about? I love. You're supposed to love what you do. It makes it, uh, oh, it's a lot absolutely, more fun. Absolutely. I, I do this as my job. Um, I do this on the side. I've, I've helped out my friends. I've helped out nonprofit organizations. I've done this for, pro bono. Um, I just absolutely love what I do. I find it challenging. I love the idea that today we can track our metrics and we actually know what's going on. Uh, so that we can improve and get better, but um, oh, I absolutely love this field. Great. All righty. Well, Hello. again, hey, we'll be in touch with this week talking with Michelle with Mandy. Um, gosh, good stuff there. Hey, Kevin, you've got uh, a couple of big weeks. So you got a big week this week coming up, and of course, another big week. Understand, you're going to be one of the uh, roundtable featured speakers at AvCon 2010 in Denver this year. Yeah, John, I'm speaking on, on the uh, representing affiliate network on one of the panels. And also there's a, uh, another panel that, that I, I wasn't on the panel last year, but I kind of took part of it. Part of it. it was the, uh, the beer panel, which is the last panel of the day. It's actually very entertaining. Um, so I'm looking forward to both those panels. And the other big announcement, John, is we did uh, open up the Media Buying Alliance for the general public. So we do have a lot of people now that were uh, that are coming in. They're able to post and they're able to uh, talk about different challenges in the media buying world. It's the MediaBuyingAlliance.com. And in fact, if you go to the InboxRadio.com site, you, there's a link to it on there that will, which will put you in there and get you get you all all settled in and all startled as as well. So, um, but yeah, it looks like you're taking uh, packing up the crew and heading up there now. Our inaugural show, or should I say, our anniversary show, is going to be next week. And Kevin, unfortunately, um, we we don't we don't have the luxury of being able to do it on our typical Wednesday. Uh, so um, we're going to do it. Uh, which is a better day for you to do it on on uh, on Monday or Tuesday of next week? A uh, better day, John, would probably be Tuesday because uh, I can do it from the show floor in between my two, my two um, what you might call it, right, right in between the two uh, panels that I'm on. So that's why I can give you some feedback from the floor and, and what's going on and the feel of the show and everything else. I think that would probably be the most effective. 
Sure. So, uh, given given that uh, any any thought on a time frame, would it be say maybe around around one o'clock or around one o'clock? Like, that's correct. You can check with uh, Webmaster Radio as far as because or go to Afcon site and look at the two different times. I think my first time is ten thirty in the morning. So what I think we'll probably do then is uh, we'll do the show live on Monday uh, from the floor of Avcon, and then we'll rebroadcast that show in our regular time slot for our anniversary our anniversary show. Kevin, can you believe it? Fifty-two of these shows we've been able to do, and yeah. literally have had over 150 guests on the show. Amazing, John. You've done an amazing job. Thank you so much. Well, thank you so much. I'm the Big Fat Boo. This has been another edition of Inbox Radio. Where else would you send it? Of course, you can uh, listen to the live show. Our next one will be on Monday, which we'll be broadcasting from the floor of Abcon and then rebroadcast every Wednesday. And, of course, you can go to the archives at inboxradio.com. For the Quick Father, Kevin D. Vincenzi, I'm the Big Fat Boo, John Fondi, and this has been this edition of Inbox. We'll see you next week.